So um, we've been going through uh, just kind of topics. I, I don't necessarily call it a series, but just uh, some topics on how to equip the believer and uh, what we're entitling our equip series. And so we've had multiple things every week that we've talked about um, on how to better equip you. See, I believe, and it's our belief here at the church, that you just don't come to church to come to church. You come to church to be equipped so you can go into the world and do your mission, right? And you don't have to be a missionary to be on mission. There's a, there's a misconception about that with a lot of believers is, is God hasn't called me to X, Y, Z, or God, no, listen, God has called you to your world, and your world equals the six feet around you. That is your world. And so everyone you come in contact with and everyone you talk with and everyone that is in your sphere of influence, that is your world. And so now our honor and privilege is now, uh, is for us to advance the kingdom of God in our world, right, in our world. I'm not interested in just having a church just full of people that, 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 that just want to come to church and then check it off the list and go. No, we are called as an army. And let me just tell you something real quick. As, as the time, um, how can I say this? As the time begins to shorten, if you will, right? As the, as the clock is ticking, <laughs> um, it's, it's no surprise the cultural things that are going on in our world right now. This is all done on purpose because I believe they're not done because the enemy's bigger. Listen, the enemy has no power. Come on, somebody. The enemy has zero power. The only power the enemy has is the power that the church gives him. That's it, right? And so the enemy has no power. We walk around with this idea, oh, no, the devil is loose and he's out. No, 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 no. Listen, he's already been defeated. Why? Because he was defeated at the cross of Christ, right, once and for all, okay? Now, I believe some of these things are taking place because the church is beginning to rise up and take its rightful place in our world to see the, the light that cannot be hidden on a hill. Come on, somebody. The, to, to, be, to be a book that wants to be read. That's us. That's me. That's you. They desire. The world desires Jesus. They want him. They want him. They just don't know it yet. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about evangelism. Now you're going, oh, no. You're going to make me talk to somebody about Jesus? No, I'm not going to make you talk to anybody about Jesus. But I am going to encourage you to be like Jesus. You know, in everything, there's tiers of, not tiers, but like levels, steps, if you will, of comfortability, okay? Uh, <clears throat> I've known people in BC days for me. Um, there's, there's certain things that I would do that I wouldn't do now, okay, but there are certain things that I want to do now. You have to understand your pastor here. I am a one, I'm a zero, or I'm an 11. <laughs> you guys catching my drift? Like when I, when, I, when I go and I see something, I'm in. I'm all the way in. There's no, there's no sevens, there's no fives, there's no threes. It's, it's boom, I'm, I'm all the way in. You know, and for instance, this, this idea that I'm going to unfold for you and unpack for you is, you know, you've got casual drinkers, right? Like anybody, BC days, you, you know. Now, if you've dealt with this before, maybe currently dealing with right now, listen, just, just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just using this as an example, okay? Sometimes you get your casual drinkers. Those casual drinkers, every now and then, they're, they're just every now and then drinkers, casual. Hey, every now and then, you know, we can do that. But then you've got your consumer drinkers, okay? These are the ones who are like one to three a week, Okay? Now, if you've never had an issue with this or never really dealt with this, you're going, what are you doing, Pastor? Why are you saying this? 
just go with me, okay? You've got your, you've got your, your consumer drinkers where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a part of their life. That's one to three weeks. And then you've got, you've got those drinkers that are like, get out of my way, roll call, it's time to go, okay? And that's like one to six a day, okay? They're all the way in, all right? And the same goes for the kingdom of God, to be honest with you. You see, some people can just be casual Christians. Call these the every now and then Christians. Every now and then, you know. If I, man, if I make it to church or if I'm serving God or if I can do whatever, like once every three months, man, it's perfect for me. That's, that's, that's the level that I want to stay at with my walk with God. That's, that's the place where I'm most comfortable with when it comes to Jesus. Then you've got those who are consumer Christians, all right? These are the ones who attend church regularly. They read their Bibles, but there's no fruit that follows them. They're basically just self-centered around themselves and what makes them happy. And these are the ones who simply want to just check the box and say, yeah, I do these things, I do these things, I do these things. Right? Because it makes them kind of feel a little bit good, makes them feel better. And look, all of these are perfectly legal. Okay, there's nothing wrong with them. God's not going to judge us for these kinds of things. But I do want to encourage you today that we need to go from glory to glory, like the Bible says. Like we need to go from one place to the next place. So this morning what I'm going to attempt to try to do is try to get you to a place to think of which place you're at this morning. Okay? I heard something over here. Can you? Is it an animal? Sorry. One or 11, that's it. <laughs> So we got these consumer ones, right? And then we've got these uh, Christians that they know who I am. They know who they are in Christ. They know what their mission is to do. They're in their Bible reading, digesting their Bible. They're memorizing their word. They're being transformed by Christ himself. And that transformation, what it does is it's bringing about a joy to being a believer. And that joy now runs over to reach others. These are the ones who are, you, we would call these the on-fire Christians if we have to put a label to it, right? These are the ones that, that you can't hold them back. Like, like you, you can say whatever you want to say. You can do whatever you want to do. You can try whatever you want to try. But these people are the ones who are saying, it's Jesus or nothing, right? It's, it's him or it's nothing, right? I have no in-between. I only have zero or 11 Christian, right? That's it. We're gonna, they go all in. They're reading their Bible, digesting it, eating it. They're, they're, they're speaking to other people. They have no fear and no shame of being called a believer. It's actually an honor for them when they get ridiculed by their coworkers. Thank you, Jesus. I made the list. Right? These believers, they're purposeful. They're intentional about their faith and their walk with God. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. It's purposeful evangelism. See, you do understand that when you call yourself a Christian, let me just ask real quick who's a Christian here today. You know what Christian actually means? It means Christ-like. That's what it means, to be a Christ follower, right? When you call yourself a Christian, you don't turn off being a Christian. You don't turn that part off, Okay? It doesn't just, you don't get in your car and go, okay, it's Sunday today, I'm going to be a Christian, flip the switch. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. 
And so many Christians and believers in our world today actually live that way. They go flip and they flip a switch, but come Monday they flip it back off. I want you to know either you are or you're not. There's no in between. It's zero or it's 11. Okay? I don't want to be the type of believer who lives lukewarm in my faith with him. Because what does the Bible say about lukewarmness? It means that he's going to spew us out of his mouth. He would rather us be cold or hot. See, if you find yourself turning off this thing called Christianity, then you're living a life of compromise, and it's time to repent, to turn from compromise. And as we young people, and when I say young, I'm not that young, say, we need to get turned up. Get turned. We need to get turned up. See, I believe that every single one of us is called to evangelize, like every single one of us is called to prayer. Oh, but pastor, I'm not an intercessor, so I don't pray. No, look, that doesn't excuse you from praying. <laughs> every single one of us is called to prayer, and every single one of us is called to evangelize. Now, you may not carry a gift of evangelism, but you are called to evangelize. That is why, one of the reasons why we are here is to, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> See, what's happening in today's world is that the, the world is redefining evangelism of the church, and they're calling it proselytize. Okay? And there's a difference. It's not the same. Evangelism is not, I'm going to botch this word, proselytization. Is that right? Close enough. Right? It's, it's not the same thing. All right? Here's the definition of what proselytize means. It means to induce someone to convert to one's faith. To recruit someone to join one's party, institution, or cause. Now, you might read that definition and go, yeah, that, that's what we do. We, we do that. No, we don't do that. Because as believers, evangelism is much more than just going and converting someone to try to get them and try to persuade them and try to, try to convince them to come. No, it means being a reflection of who Christ is to the world. Right? So here's what I'm talking about. This word is not the same as evangelism because the word you take with this word, with proselytize, you actually take on the responsibility of converting people. Now hear what I'm saying. Follow me with this. Our responsibility in the kingdom, number one, is to reflect Jesus of who he is. His nature. Amen? Is to reflect the kingdom of God everywhere we go. And the second thing for, evan and, and for, for my kind of like honor here of serving the Lord in the kingdom of God is to obey. I have to reflect Jesus and I have to obey. Because obey, obedience, come on, obedience is greater than sacrifice, amen? Obedience is greater than sacrifice. See, when we live in the world of pro proselytizing people, we live in this idea of sacrificing. I'm going to give myself up to go and do this. No, listen, that's not the same thing. When you obey God, it's better than the sacrifices that we're giving to him. But make no mistake about it, when obedience does call, there will always be sacrifice involved. George Barna, he's a famous statistician, put out a study. And he said, over half of practicing Christian millennials believe that evangelism is wrong. Over half. 
Over half of practicing Christian millennials believe that evangelism is wrong. He also wrote that three out of five Christian millennials believe that people today are more likely than in the past to take offense if they share their faith. 65% of them. He says that's far higher than among boomer Christians. Millennials are also either two or three times more likely than any other generational group to believe that disagreement means judgment. When I read this statistic, it's easy for me to cast judgment on the millennials, but you know why sometimes they're like that? It's because of me. I didn't do a good enough job. My generation, Gen Xers, come on somebody, Gen X, let's go. Right? Gen X didn't do a good enough job of displaying what it means to be on fire for the Lord. It's easy for us to go, those millennials, man, this is the reason why I'm going to basking Right? Well, it's, I think it's kind of time for the older generation to take some, and when I say older, I'm in that camp, to take some responsibility for themselves and go, you know what, it's not too late. Today I will make a difference to show what it's like. Because revival crosses all generational scopes. Revival in the move of God and the kingdom of God crosses all, all things. You may go, well, I'm not like that. No, you are like that. You're just believing a lie that you're not an evangelist. So there's two aspects of evangelism that I want to briefly touch on today, and that's this, reflecting Jesus and obedience. Purposeful evangelism, what that means is to reflect who Christ is. Now, when I say this, most people will get in their minds and say, oh, well, I, I do a pretty good job of that. I'm, I'm a nice person. I, I, I don't say bad words. <laughs> I don't cut people off in traffic. That's, that's pretty good, right? I, I uh, I, I really don't, I don't lie all the time, so that's, that's pretty, that's okay, that's tolerable, right? That, you know, I'm, I don't, it's, you know, I don't get really angry, I'm not holding that much anger towards someone else, I, but that's okay though, like that's, that's still pretty good, I'm hitting the mark on that, like that, that's alright, no, let me, let me just tell you something. All of those things that we can justify us being like Christ, I want to challenge this morning, because Jesus was a nice person, Amen. <laughs> Wasn't he just a good guy? Like, if you were living in today's world, wouldn't you want to be around Jesus? Maybe. Unless you're religious. Right? Because the last time I checked in the Bible, Jesus says, you better eat my flesh and drink my blood, because if you don't, you can't come into this kingdom. Then all of a sudden, people got really offended. The man who died on, this, died on the cross for their sin, they got offended at that statement. Jesus did things that no one else did. And sometimes he caused problems in the city. I can't tell you how many times you can read in the Bible, there's a few times where Jesus had to escape through the crowd. There was one time where he escaped through the crowd where everyone went, where's Jesus at? Right? It wasn't, and this is my, this is how I read it, right? It wasn't that he was super sneaky and like, like did some Navy SEAL tricks, Okay? No, I, I think the Holy Spirit came upon him and supernaturally he just became invisible to everybody. And he just, hey, no one's watching me, cool, man. And he just kind of walked off. He did all those things because they were getting ready to stone him. It wasn't his time to die yet. So God the Father provided a way for him to escape. 
You see, Jesus sometimes, he's so counter-cultural, even inside of the church, because we have a church culture, and sometimes Jesus wants to come in and wreck the culture. And he does that through offense of the gospel. That's a good word. So what does it mean to fully reflect Jesus? Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says it like this. But you will receive power. You guys been here long enough. Uh, been here years. Kristen and I went to school, and every time we had a, we had a, a teacher who would, when he talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, he always go, power. <laughs> it was awesome. We always go, yeah, power. Right? But you will receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Let me, if you will, allow me to change this to say this. And you will be my reflection in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In order to be a true reflection of who Jesus is, we have to be with Jesus. <laughs> we have to... I was thinking about this today. When Jesus would walk, when Jesus would walk up to the, let's just say to the shore, and then there was the demoniac, right? And stuff started happening. The demoniac got all riled up, right? I want to believe it's because they smelled heaven on him. Right? Because he spent time with his father. See, and if we want to be a reflection of Jesus, we have to know who he is. So that means we got to smell like him. We got to get to the place where we're in his presence. Kristen and I, when we were in school, we had a t-shirt. I think I'm going to revive this t-shirt. Demons know my name. That was a t-shirt that we used to wear for school. Yes, we went to a radical Christian school. Right, we'd wear those things loud and proud. We'd go down to the heart of Oklahoma City, to the inner city with gangbangers and drug dealers and all the business. And we would say, demons know my name. But demons can only know your name if you spend time with the one who gave you the name. Thank you. Being a reflection of Jesus means. And ask yourself this question. Are people drawn to him when you're around them? Or are they drawn to complaining? Or are they drawn to criticizing? Are they drawn to, to anger or bitterness or bringing up old things? Are they drawn to that? Or does your lifestyle, does our lifestyle draw people to be closer to him? Do we reflect Jesus in such a way when we're around the, the people in the world? I was around some people in the world yesterday. Yes, your pastor gets around. Not, not like that, but he gets around. Okay. I love going to where people don't know who Jesus is. Why? Because it gives me the opportunity to draw people unto himself. I love that opportunity. Do I do it right all the time? No. But thanks be to God that I have the opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus. The people you walk with, are they drawn to Jesus, to the Jesus inside of you? See, we reflect the nature of the world we are most aware of. So which world are you most aware of? Heaven's or yours? 
Heavens are yours. What makes you different than just a good person? I suggest to you this morning that it's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes you different than just being a nice guy. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I suggest to you today that you can't truly reflect Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Can't do it. You can try. You could try to be the best person in the world. Well, I didn't cuss and I didn't swear and I don't talk bad about mama. I don't do all these kinds of things. But does the power of the Holy Spirit reflect Jesus inside of you? Let me encourage you today. If you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you ought to be. <gasps> Ooh, why are we talking about that, man? I don't know about you because it's full gospel. That's why. Not a little bit of the gospel. It's full gospel. If it was good enough for Jesus to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then guess what? It's full good enough for me. Amen? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to truly reflect who Christ is. One of my favorite pastors that I listen to encourages me a lot. He says this, we owe the world an encounter with God. We owe the world an encounter with God. Another thing about evangelism is that evangelism in its purest form really is an overflow of worship. It really is an overflow of worship. Why? We always become like the one we worship. So what are we worshiping? Those are the questions that I'm trying to just kind of, just kind of prod a little bit in our hearts as I think about this for myself, right, I think, man, God, what am I worshiping above you? Which idol do I have above you? What is it, my thoughts? Is it my thoughts above you? Is it my agenda above you? Is it my own politics above you? Is it my, is it my, is it whatever it is? Whatever that we can't submit to Jesus, I suggest to you today that that's an idol before God. Evangelism in its purest form is an overflow of worship. We always become like the one we worship. The second part of this is obedience. I'm going to give you an opportunity to turn to Acts chapter 9. In your Bibles this morning, on your phone, paper Bibles, whatever it might be. Acts chapter 9. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Cheryl, thank you so much for that word the other day. I just, I didn't have a chance to respond, but. Inside joke, not, not joke, but <laughs> Acts, Acts chapter 9, okay? I'm going to read to you one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I'll tell you why it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible in just a moment. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. It's the conversion of Saul, how it all happened, how it all took place. You see... Just, just briefly, real quick, kind of history. I, I would like to assume that everyone knows the story of Saul, but we live in a world where, you know, we don't know the Bible very much anymore, right? So Saul was a pretty tough, rough guy. He was there at the stoning of Stephen um, in the Bible, the first martyr in the Bible. And he grabbed his cloth, his clothes, after they murdered Stephen. And he made it a mission to go to every house, every church, every temple to arrest or even kill these things called Christians, these people called Christians, right? Back there in the, in the Bible, they would call them, they, they actually had a name for the church. It was called The Way. 
That's what they called him. Oh, you follow the way. Okay? So Paul, Saul, excuse me, Saul would try to go after these people that were following the way. So now, this is where we pick it up in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. So go with me on these next 10 verses, okay? It says, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That would freak me out, right? And Verse 5, and he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> I think that's so funny. <laughs> who are you, Lord? Right, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. First command. Rise, enter the city, then I'm going to tell you what to do. Verse 7. The man who were traveling with him stood speechless, speechless hearing the voice but seeing no one. <laughs> Paul saw, excuse me, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight. He, ne he neither ate, neither ate nor drank. Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. At the house of Judas, look for a man named Tarsus, named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. That's pretty supernatural if you ask me. But Ananias answered, Lord, you sure about that? I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on the name of the Lord. <laughs> Ananias goes, you set me up, man. You, you do know what's about ready to happen, right? Isn't it funny that we have excuses for when the Lord speaks to us to do something? Our first response is, yeah, but God. Verse 15. But the Lord said to him in a, I'm, I'm, I'm adding this, okay. In a loud, assertive voice, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me. So that you may regain your sight and be filled. What's, what does that say right there? And be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. That's a great story. And the reason why this is one of my favorite stories is because through the obedience through one man, there was a sacrifice of one man to go and obey 
the word of the Lord. And then that man that he went to go pray for and simply just do what Jesus told him to do, that man became the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, and the apostle to us as Gentiles. It was because of that incident right there. Changed history forever. Come on. Right? Jesus changed history forever. Twelve men changed history forever. This one man who was not a disciple, who was not labeled an apostle, was a, was a Bill or a Bob or whoever it is going to work, right, the same as you and me, finally said, yes, God, whatever you have. At one time in a service like this, and not really, but in a service like this, they were going, yes, Jesus, whatever you want from me. And, 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 and the Lord goes, yeah, one day, Ananias, I'm going to ask you to do something. Right, that you're going to have to do, but it's going to take some guts for you to do it. Whatever you want, Lord, yes. And then all of a sudden, that day came. And Ananias goes, hey, are you sure about that? Right, you sure about that? Then all of a sudden, Ananias goes, yes, Lord, because I meant it back then when it was going great. And I mean it now when it's difficult. My yes is an invitation for your more. So Jesus, whatever you want from me, I'm ready to do. And he says, go and do this because I have a plan for this man named Saul. I wonder what would happen if Ananias would have said no. Ah, I'm good, God. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, he did try the excuse, right? You, you do know, right, what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you, Ananias, trust me. Greater is he who's in you than he that is in this world. Don't worry about it, Ananias. Yeah, but what if he said no? What would happen? I'm sure God would have picked someone else. But you know what? I don't want to be, I don't want to, I, I want to say yes right away. I want to say yes, Lord, right now. What do you have for me right now? You hear me say this all the time. Ananias' yes became an invitation for God's more. And you never know when your yes is a simple request to say yes, God. When you say yes, you don't know what's happening on the other end. We don't know that. We can speculate, we can guess, we can try. But when we say yes, we are at 11. And we're going, yes, God, I am in all the way. You never know what God is going to do. However, if we live surrendered and obedient to the Lord, we're going to see miracles like we just read that will follow us until the day Jesus comes back. Let me ask you that real quick. How many of you guys want signs, wonders, and miracles to follow you? Then say yes. Just say yes. Say yes, God. But it's not just a matter of saying yes. Now you got to be obedient to when he speaks to you. Let me encourage you with something real quick. This is just something so pastoral. If you're saying, yes, I want God, I want to see those things happen, look, it may come in the form of people getting out of wheelchairs and doing all these kinds of things. But my experience has been that it starts small. And when you start small and you say yes and you follow through and you're obedient with the small yeses in your life, God will begin to give you more in your life. So just start small. Whatever it might be. Yeah, it's going to take you to sacrifice a little bit. But obedience is greater than sacrifice, but sacrifice always it's connected to obedience. See, obedience is not measured by our ability to obey laws and principles. Obedience is measured by our response to God's voice. 
I believe that physical obedience brings spiritual release in your life. Amen? I believe that. I heard a pastor, a friend of ours, me and Pastor Steve and everybody, his name is John King, pastor, used to pastor church in Peoria, Illinois. He said this one time in a message that he preached when I was on staff in Illinois. It was so profound to me, yet so simple. He said, the Christian walk with God is not hard. Simply listen and obey. Simply listen and obey. The reality is, is that most Christians have overcomplicated this thing called the Christian walk. We've overcomplicated Christian life. And I suggest to you this morning, the Christian life is anything but complicated. It is hard, but there's a difference between hard and complicated. If it's complicated, it's only because I'm entertaining wrong ideas. It's only because I'm entertaining wrong ideas and thoughts about what this thing is all about. You can play some music right there, Megan. Thank you. Just super soft. My responsibility as a believer, as I close, is to obey, is to surrender my heart and to yield myself to the will of God. It is in the process of obedience that we gain understanding. And you can't get the peace that passes understanding until you give up your right to understand. That's a good word. So the first understanding thing of evangelism isn't to make something happen. I'm not here to proselytize anybody. Because that means I have to do it. It's simply about being in him. Being in him. Resting in him. Having confidence in Christ in us. Because he is in you. I have the great honor and privilege. Jesus is calling you. Think about this for a minute. When he died upon the cross of Christ... Yes, it was for our salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord we're saved. But he said, now you get to carry me. You get to be my reflection here on this earth. So go and do all the things that I have told you and commanded you to do. And then he says the next most profound thing ever. He says, and greater things will you do than I have ever done. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. When I look at my life and I measure it up to the word of God, I can see that there's some things that I need to work on. If I could just get to the point where where. I, I, I walk into places or, or I go to certain places or I'm with my family or whatever the case is. If I could just get to this point where people are drawn to Jesus because of Christ in me. I'll go, thank you God for using me that way. But there's more to it than just that. He's got another plan for you. And I'm telling you right now, telling you right now. You heard, I'm going to refer back to my ticking clock. As this begins to tick down. And we, be see, we begin to see the Bible begin to unfold right before our very eyes. When we see those things starting to happen, 
We see the gods of yesteryear's age. We see the spirit that, that once lived on. Is a, we see all these influences happening in our world. When that stuff happens, the Bible says <laughs> that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. He abounds even more. And he uses you as the conduit of his power, of his love, of his mercy, and of his grace. That's who you are. You will see signs and wonders follow you. But they're not going to happen if we just sit there and go, God, let the signs and wonders follow me. No, 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 no. Because your Bible says in James that faith without works is dead. It all matters. It all matters. And you're not doing stuff to make God happy with you. He's already happy with you. You're not doing stuff because, because, well, you know, if I do this more, then I'll get closer to God. No, 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 no. He's already close to you. He's closer than the skin on your body right now. No, you're doing this because of the overflow of worship in your life. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. We'll just talk to you for a minute. Anybody here this morning says, you know what, Pastor? I don't know Jesus personally. I once knew him before. I used to follow him. But I don't know him anymore. I've, I've, I've left Jesus. He never left me, but I, I walked away. Or I've never known it before, man. I've never been in a church like this before where they actually said this. And, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see what's going on. I want to start my life with Jesus. If that's you, can you just raise your hand real quick and say, pray for me, Pastor. Good. There's one back there. Anybody else? That's me. Good. Two. Right there. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Three. Right over here. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for being honest and transparent. You've got a whole church praying for you right now. You can hear the whispers. It's because they're praying for you. Anybody else, just quickly raise it up and put it right back down. I'm not asking you to ever come back to church here again, but I want you in heaven with me. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you so much for being honest. Hallelujah. Let's quick commit our lives to Jesus. So if everyone can pray this prayer with me, especially if you raise your hand. Especially if you raise your hand, will you repeat this after me? My prayer is a simple guide. It's a guided prayer, but you have to connect this prayer to your heart of faith right now. So everyone together, say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Today, I commit everything that I am to you. All my goods, all my bads everything I want to be, it's now yours. I ask you to love me, to be with me as I'm going to love you and I'm going to be with you. I love you. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 That's good. Come on. Let's give those people our just a hand. Real briefly, the Bible says that for those who made a decision today to serve God, all of heaven stops right now, and they're celebrating in heaven with you.
It's the greatest decision you can ever make. Come on, church, let's celebrate with heaven this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Now, as I, as I really close this time. <laughs> it's the pastor's favorite saying. In my third closing. Anybody here that says, you know what? I want to reflect Jesus and I want to obey. Come on, if that's you, will you just stand right now? Come on, just stand if that's you. I just want to be like Jesus and I want to obey his word. I just want to obey his voice. Come on, if, if you're able to, can you just put your hands up in the air right now and just surrender to him? Just tell him. Just tell him with your own words, I surrender to you right now, Jesus. I surrender to you right now, Lord. Everything that I am, I give to you. Everything that I am, I give to you. Jesus, when you speak, I will go. God, when you say move to the right, I will go to the right. I won't question you. God, when you, when you speak to me to do something that seems impossible, I know you're asking me to do it because through you, all things are possible. Father, I just give it all to you, Jesus. My life, Father, is a drink offering to the people that I serve. God, everything that I am, God, I give to you, Jesus. I hold nothing back, God. I will turn it to 11. God, I will turn it to 11, Jesus. The dial is just going to be broken off my, the dial of my life. And God, from this day forward, Jesus, when you speak to me, I will obey. God, I will obey. I won't question your authority any longer. Jesus, I honor you. I love you. I thank you. I bless you. In Jesus' name.